The sports pen lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you Thursday afternoon as we wind down the workday and get you closer to the 5 o'clock hour. Usually means it's time to go home, but not for guys like us. Jake Duran of CBS Marquette in studio with us. Obligations with our employers coming up this evening. I know we're all beat tonight. You're still undecided as to what game you'll be out there covering, but we'll be traversing around the UP this evening. It's a fun job, but it never quits. Right, especially when you talk about uh, basketball, boys and girls basketball. Every night there's a game going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of storylines, a lot of good teams playing. So, um, yeah, Thursday night seems to be one of those those busy nights. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'd say, um, for basketball. But, yeah, I mean, we're in the midst of the basketball season um, right before break. So, uh, yeah, knock these games out and uh, see where we're heading uh, going into Christmas. Well, speaking of basketball, what a night in the NBA last night. Let's start with the Bucks and Pistons. They both win last night. A couple of close ones, but they both go well. Well over the century mark, Milwaukee defeats New Orleans 123 to 116. Giannis did his thing per usual, 25 points to go along with eight boards and eight assists. And then the Bucks make that the Pistons come from behind and they win in Minnesota 129 to 123. Blake Griffin 34 points, Reggie Bullock 33, Andre Drummond 16 points, 16 boards. So a lot to like about basketball up in this area. Both teams coming out with wins. Yeah, I mean, and it was a, a big win there for Detroit. I think they were winners of one of their last eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, Reggie Jackson, I think, was a storyline of this one. Um, he wasn't playing too well entering that game um, last night. I know he was getting benched in the fourth quarter for Jose Calderon. And, uh, you know, he shows throughout the season that he he can be that player for the Pistons, that clutch player that he was last night. But it's consistency with him, whether it be injuries or just, you know, just up and down play. Um, you know, it's hard to hard to know what kind of Reggie Jackson uh, you're going to get on any given night. So last night he was, uh, you know, a player that was aggressive, um, you know, was beating the, the Minnesota Timberwolves down the floor, um, you know, had a couple clutch baskets. Andre Drummond had a nice three-pointer. Um, but, but I... You know, I think Jackson was the focal point, and I think he was the reason why the Pistons won that uh, game last night. So, um, you know, the Pistons, they, they've been playing not too great uh, as of late. You know, two, two wins in nine games, but hopefully this is a spark that can get them um, on a little run here because, you know, you got to try to stay. I, I said the Pistons were going to be a, a team in the East that, you know, was going to be in the bottom half of the conference, obviously, and I still believe that. But um, they need to string some wins together, mm-hmm. and it, it starts with guys like Reggie Dex. And Blake Griffin did his thing last night uh, per usual, but, you know, they're, they're, going to need, they're going to need some of their big men stepping up um, and, and guys like that uh, in order for them to kind of string some wins together. So hopefully we can see a little bit more of that depth uh, come out um, in the games in the future. At 24 points for Jackson last night, a big uh, reason why the Pistons were able to come back and win that game in Minnesota. About 44th quarter points. 40 points in one quarter, especially when it matters most. They trailed by 14 entering the fourth frame. They found a way to fight through it. And a team that's been struggling the way they have, for them to face that kind of adversity, then overcome it on the road against a Timberwolf team that has their own problems. But with that, they have talent. Says a lot about the Pistons, their ability to grind through and their ability to grit out a win. Exactly. I mean, you kind of wish they didn't put themselves in those type of positions where they have to come back. But last night's game, I mean, it was a game of runs. Detroit came out early, um, went up 12-0. Then uh, the Timberwolves came back and scored 10. So, um, you know, it was it was definitely a game of runs. But you kind of wish that the Pistons wouldn't flip the switch when, when needed. You, you know, you kind of wish that they didn't put themselves in deep holes like that. Um, but they shot well from the three-point line last night. I think they shot 41%. Um, they hit 20 of 48 threes, um, and and like I said, you know they had they got the contribution they needed from their stars, um, with Drummond getting 16 and 16, um, and doing what he needed to do as well. And and like I said, Blake and, and Reggie definitely stepped up. And and uh, you know it's it's the big question with this team is this who's going to step up when you talk about depth when you talk about that third score. And it's, it's been the same thing all year. You know where are they going to get the points from? Um, last night it was Reggie and and Blake and. We're going to have to see where they find that, that offense production uh, as we head into the future. How about the Houston Rockets last night? 26 three-pointers. They beat Washington 136 to 118. It's an NBA record. No team's ever made 26 three-pointers in a single game before. They had four different players that made at least four three-pointers, and that has only happened six times in NBA history. 
Rockets have done it three of those times. Yeah, I mean, they they came close. Uh, that you know, Cleveland they they broke the record uh, with twenty five. I think was it two thousand seventeen, and I know Houston came close. They hit twenty four, um, but I mean, twenty six three pointers. That's absolutely insane. You know, I was. It, it doesn't surprise me that it's Houston who's doing it. Obviously, mm-hmm. they do like to launch a lot of threes. They have James Harden on the team, who you know, and at any given moment will just pull up and shoot the ball. Um, and and they got guys that can really knock it down. And um, you know, you kind of wonder what Washington was doing last night. Uh, you know, as competitors, once Houston started hitting, you know, twenty threes, twenty one threes, and then I know that the crowd was going insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was just a, an an effort on their side that wasn't the effort wasn't there for Washington. No. Um, you know, the players even after the game said we probably could have did a better job uh, playing some defense, and I think it's lacking. I mean, the scoring in the NBA has been up all season, um, just insane. You know, high scoring games, three pointers have been up. So I mean, I see this record being broken. You know. It's not going to be held up for long. I can see it being broken, you know, even this year. Um, so it just goes to show where the NBA is going. A lot of threes are getting put up. Defense not really there. Um, and now they're talking about adding a four-point line. I don't know if you heard about that, but that's kind of insane as well. Teams are already practicing for it, apparently. So, yeah, just where the NBA is going, a lot of threes, a lot of scoring. And I, I like it to an extent, mm-hmm. but at sometimes it's just kind of crazy. It's, just, it's too much sometimes. Boy, Washington's got their own struggles they need to figure out. Bradley Beal and John Wall have a lot of leadership that they need to uh, figure out. It's been put on their shoulders, but they've got a lot they need to figure out. What a tough night for Washington sports last night. You had the Wizards being on the wrong end of an NBA record. Capitals lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins 2-1. to one. Wanted to throw that in there. They won't meet again until March, unfortunately. But they always seem to find some way to face each other in the playoffs. So we'll look forward to that. I tell you what, though, you talked about you don't think this record will stand for long, and I would agree with you. The way the NBA's gone, the trend seems to favor heavy offense. I'm surprised a team like the Warriors hasn't given this a run, or at least been a team that has been setting records like this, although last night they really, really didn't look like themselves as they fall to Utah 108-103. to They need DeMarcus Cousins in the worst way. They need a little bit of a wrinkle to go in there somehow. And it's not necessarily what Boogie brings to the table. They just need a change in their flow right now. They need to get something uh, something switched in there. And I don't know, maybe Boogie is the guy that flips the switch. Right. I think with the, with the Warriors, you know, they've been uncharacteristically losing um, some of these games. And it, it's, it's a long NBA season. And when you win multiple championships, you know, you've gone through that grind of, of an NBA season. Um, you know, you can get a little bit lackadaisical. I think that's, that's kind of what we're seeing out of the Warriors. And I know I talked about this last week. You know, when, when crunch time hits, when playoff time hits, um, I think they're going to definitely flip that switch and, and, and turn it up another notch or two because um, I just think right now, it, like you said, it's just a little stale. Um, you know, the guys are kind of just going through the motions a little bit. Um, obviously, they have the talent. We've seen it. Um, but, but guys are just being, uh, you know, just a little uncharacteristic um, when it comes to, you know, guys with effort and things like that and, you know, not shooting the ball as well and things like that. And I do agree with you. I think Boogie Cousins coming in, obviously, you know, he's coming off a, a pretty bad injury a lot, you know, with, with his with his Achilles and things like that. But um, if he can come in there and be the Boogie, you know, Obviously, he's not going to be 100%, but he brings that mental, you know, toughness. He's he's kind of a crazy guy. You know, he's out there talking, talking smack to other teams. Um, I think that'll be a little spark and, and, and enough to jumpstart this team. Um, but like I said, I'm not worried about the Warriors. I think, you know, when the playoff time uh, comes around, they're going to be just fine. Um, but you don't want to lose that mental edge, and you don't want to have your, your competition start to feel like, you know, they're, you're not, they're not as far away as they, as they have been in the past. Um, you know, maybe that, that – that's it's closing a little bit to where teams might be catching up to the Warriors. I don't really know, but um, you know, there's a lot of tough teams. Utah is one of those up and coming teams. They have a lot of a lot of talent and in, in one of those just exciting teams to watch. I think them, Denver's a team. You know, they have a lot of uh, guys that can shoot the ball and and a lot. You know, just a lot of talent. Where if the Warriors aren't, you know, being serious, they could potentially lose. Um, but until I see it, I'm not going to say they're going to do that. Well, I, talked, I see it. talked about Utah, and here's our stat of the day. Since Kevin Durant joined the Warriors a couple of years ago, the Warriors are 4-5 and five against the Utah Jazz, the only team in the NBA they have a losing record against. So for whatever reason, Utah just seems to be the Warriors' kryptonite. They aren't going to be too worried. I agree with you in the sense that the Warriors are going to be just fine. But there are cracks in the armor. 
They aren't invincible when Durant and Curry do their thing. Last night was the 10th time that those two as teammates have both gone over 30 in a game, and it was the first time they've lost in those 10. That includes playoffs. There are cracks in the armor, and they're starting to see that they're not invincible. Was this kind of a fluke game for the Warriors, or are teams like Utah laying a foundation for how to beat teams like this? You know, I, I, I'm i on the side of I just think it's it's kind of was just a fluke night um, for, for Golden State um, just because – you know, like you said, they had two of their stars go off, but, you know, maybe on the defensive end they needed to tighten things up, and that's when you talk about Boogie coming in and being kind of that rim protector. Um, you know, that's where they're lacking. They're knocking down low. So teams like Utah, they can really take advantage of that, get to the rim and things like that. And and a lot of teams are getting into the paint on the Warriors and, and finishing around the bucket. So um, sometimes things just don't go go your way, but it, it is a pretty crazy stat, you know, with uh, Utah, you know, with the four and five record, I mean that's maybe they do have the uh, the personnel and, and and the blueprint to beat this team. But once the playoffs come around, you know you're going to see Clay Thompson go off. You know Draymond will be there talking and, and things like that. So like I said, I don't think they're worried. But I mean it could be a little concerning for for the organization just because of these losses. You know they're not used to that. Here's another eye popping number as far as uh, it alludes to how much passing matters in the game. The Warriors last night were minus 12 in the assist category. That's their worst assist difference in the last five years. So passing helps. You got to share the rock. And I know there are some guys in the league who disagree, but, man, it helps. I mean, it's, it's one of the basic, you know, uh, fundamentals of the game. You got to get the ball moving, got to get guys involved. Um, you know, that could have de- definitely been an issue where Durant and Curry are maybe holding the ball too much and they're not getting that offense going and getting to a rhythm. I mean, basketball, it's a game of rhythm. And if you got guys just standing there and not mentally in the game or, you know, that offense isn't moving and you got a lot of one-on-one play, I mean, chances are, you know, history has shown, play one-on-one basketball, chances are you're going to lose the game. So, um, you know, they got to get the ball moving and get that offense going. And um, I think it's Steve Kerr's job to do that. I mean, you got all this talent. You know, put these players in position to, to make plays, and uh, maybe he's relying just on on the star power a little too much, and, and them to just go out there and Durant to just shoot over people and Curry to you know kind of free himself and and, and shoot from from long range. But um, that's definitely a big thing they're going to have to figure out because I mean, if you you got a lot three guys just standing there watching, I mean, that's going to be make the the competition, the opponents' jobs a lot easier on defense. So uh, definitely something they got to figure out. Last thing before we go to break, touching on the NBA. It was announced today that the NBA will play two preseason games in India, October 4th and 5th, 2019. They will play at the NSCI Dome in Mumbai, India. The Kings and Pacers will become the first teams to play over there. NBA was in China earlier this year. NHL, of course, playing in some of the Scandinavian countries. We're seeing the NBA expand to new horizons. And, you know, the owner of the Kings comes from Indian descent. He has Indian heritage. So it's kind of cool to get to see NBA starting to spread its roots all over the world. Right. And, you know, that's a that's a connection the NBA has with, with India, um, obviously with the, with the Kings owner, um, with the, the heritage there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you see these leagues uh, ex- trying to expand and, and go worldwide globally. Um Basketball is a growing sport uh, of popularity. Obviously, China basketball is huge in China. You see these players go over there um, and be, become basically, you know, gods. They get statues and things like that. Stephon Marbury, a huge example of of a guy who was, you know, dwindling in the NBA, but went over and and uh, you know they have their own leagues too. And mm-hmm. and basketball is huge in Europe. You see these European players, you know, definitely taking over and, and dominating in the National Basketball Association. So, um, you know, they're just trying to spread their footprint a little bit. And I think India's um, definitely uh, somewhere that where basketball can be huge, and you know you get some some players over there, spark some interest with with the with the the countries over there, and I think it's it's just a way to expand the the audience and um, gain more popularity for the league, and obviously that brings in more revenue. So um, definitely a, a, a smart move by the NBA, and it's going to be interesting interesting to see how how the the turnout is when you talk about fans and and getting those guys over there, and just you know how popular they're going to be. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. We'll take our first time out. When we come back, Patriots lose a big weapon. And am I crazy for saying the Houston Texans are my pick to win the AFC? I'm not, but that's ahead here in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you. We're joined by Jake Durant from CBS Marquette as we wind down this Thursday afternoon. Well, NFL, the New England Patriots, 9-5. and five. Things have been a struggle for them so far this season. People have been questioning whether the dynasty is going to end. I don't think it is. They're just going to have to revamp. It's a down year by their standards. But Tom Brady's starting to show his age a little bit, and now he's losing a weapon. Josh Gordon is stepping away from football to focus on his mental health. He's struggled with a few of these issues before. This comes amid a possible ban for violating the NFL's substance abuse policy, something that he also has struggled with before. So Josh Gordon, a guy that they got for an absolute steal from Cleveland, is no longer going to be a New England Patriot. He won't play the rest of the season. He may not ever play again. Big blow to the Patriots, a team that's already been reeling. Right, and you just kind of hope for Josh Gordon's sake that you know, he gets the help he needs. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's been struggling in and out of the league. He was suspended for, you know, multiple years because of, you know, substance abuse and things like that. Um, you know, when when New England made that trade for for the fifth rounder, you like you said, it was it looked like a steal on paper, um, and you you kind of figured he would go to New England, be under their uh, organization. Um, you know that organization seems to take trouble players and kind of turns them around and you know the the organization is bigger than yourself type of deal and um, unfortunately for Josh Gordon you know he just continues to go down this path and um, I think it was right for him to to kind of step away now you're saying you're hearing that he might be suspended again and and if he gets suspended again I mean he's had so many chances Mm -hmm. you could be seeing him uh, for the last time in the NFL and that's very, very sad because when he was playing at his peak with Cleveland, I mean, he was so dominant. I think mm-hmm. it was for a couple of years, um, nobody could stop him. And, you know, he, you thought he was the next big thing, you know, in the NFL. Um, when you talk about receiver, he had, you know, he has a body type like a Calvin Johnson, very unique uh, speed. Um, and, yeah, like you said, he was a huge, huge uh, piece for New England, who was kind of banking on him this season. Um, you're, you got Julian Edelman there. I know Chris Hogan's there, uh, Corderette. Cordero Patterson um, there, but you know now someone's going to have to step up. It's it's unfortunate for for Josh Gordon. It's unfortunate for the Patriots. Like you said, they've kind of been struggling to their standards. Still a team that's going to make the playoffs, and and still a team that is it's going to be a tough out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they very well could go on one of their patented runs, but um, it's just something different about them this year. You know, they're not unbeatable. You know, they don't have that aura that the New England Patriots usually have, and. Um, you know they were beat beat by Philadelphia and and who knows who knows maybe this is this is the year we start seeing them go on the downward the downward trend but um, you know there's a lot of talented teams in that division or in that conference even and uh, you know it's it's going to be interesting to see who steps up and and what Bill Belichick is going to do to kind of um, put a bandaid over this situation and, and figure it out I think we're going to see Cordero Patterson run the ball still and then and, and you know Tom Brady's going to have to find an, another weapon. A couple of weeks ago, they were 9-3, and three, riding high. They were a lot of people's pick to win the AFC. And now, maybe even their first-round bye chances are in doubt. I don't think they're going to get a first-round bye. I'm not sure that right now they're one of the top three teams in the AFC. Right now, I'd put them behind Houston, Kansas City, and the LA Chargers. But when you look at New England and what they've done over the past few years, since Tom Brady's in the league, they have been one of the best dynasties, one of the most consistent dynasties in all of sports. They've had to revamp a few times, though. The dynasty didn't end back in 2009 where they struggled. They were bounced in the first round of the playoffs. They just rejuvenated themselves. They found a way to rebuild themselves. And since then, it's been Patriots 2.0. It's been a new version of their dynasty. They're going to have to do it again after this season. And they might have to do it without Tom Brady and without Gronk. And I don't know how much longer Tom Brady has in the league. But he's starting to look like he's a 41-year-old now. He's starting to show his age a little bit, missing on some throws, maybe in the last couple of weeks, that he's used to making. We're accustomed to seeing him make. Gronkowski, I don't know if he plays again after this season. The retirement rumors really, really look like they could be valid. He's just not the weapon that he was before, and he struggled with injuries, struggled to stay healthy on the field. He's just not bringing that impact that we know he can to the field. 
I could very well see this being his last season in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, all dynasties at some point, they're going to come to an end. The Patriots, they've been really good, like you said, revamping the teams and, and finding players to kind of fill holes when, when guys move on and things like that. Um, but, you know, we all have been waiting for the moment when Tom Brady, when father time catches up, you know, it doesn't wait for anybody. And, uh, you know, like you said, he's he's missing on throws and things like that. And it's little, it's it's happening slowly, but... You know, you see players, you kind of hit this 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 moment where, you know, things just start not going the right way. And uh, with Tom Brady, you know, he's, he's in my eyes, the greatest quarterback to ever play. Obviously, he his resume backs that up. Um, but, you know, Gronk, very big weapon. If he goes, he, he you know, he gets hit a lot. And, you know, I know he's dealt with injuries and things like that. And I, I wouldn't blame Gronk for, for, you know, hanging him up either just because of, of all the injuries and all the impacts he's taken. Um, at some point, you got to start thinking about your your life after football. So, um, you know, if they lose Gronk, they lose Tom Brady, or Tom Brady starts to decline, we could very well be seeing, you know, um, the downward uh, spiral of the, of the dynasty that the Patriots have had. Um, but just like any team, you wonder if Bill Belichick will stay around mm-hmm. long after Brady retires, and, and is he willing to, you know, try to find other players to come in, you know, get another quarterback in there and and then coach him up or is is his time with New England done as well. So I mean we're gonna have to see. I think I think we're coming to the close end of the Patriots dynasty. We're we're seeing it happen. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us on the sports pen looking at the AFC playoff pitcher. I tell you what, I really like the Houston Texans. They're a team that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. The Texans have quietly been really good this season. They started out 0-3, and suddenly they're one of the top teams in football. I think that they are the second most complete team in the AFC behind the LA Chargers. But unless the Chargers get one of those first-round buys, I don't think they're going to win the AFC. If they do find a way to win the AFC West and they get a first-round buy, I'm picking the Chargers as my uh, team to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. But I don't think they will. I'd like to see them do it. I just don't see them going on the road for three games in a likelihood and winning all of them to get to the Super Bowl. I think as complete as they are, that's just too tall of a task in an AFC that's pretty balanced this season. So the Texans, I see them as getting the two seed this season. They don't shoot themselves in the foot nearly as much as anybody else in the playoff pitcher right now. And I got a lot of numbers today, Jake, so here's a few more at you. Penalties and turnovers since week eight of the NFL season. You want to focus on the recency of a lot of these numbers because this is the way that they're trending. Houston has committed 34 penalties. That is second fewest of anybody in the playoff pitcher right now. They've committed just three turnovers since the midway point of the NFL season. That is also second fewest of any of the teams in the AFC playoff pitcher right now. The team that's committed the fewest penalties since then is Pittsburgh with 22, but they have committed 11 turnovers, which is far and away the most out of anybody in that group. The team that's committed the fewest turnovers is New England, but they've committed 46 penalties, and they looked really bad on the snap count on Sunday against Pittsburgh. At some point, you're going to get into a barn burner in the playoffs where not shooting yourselves in the foot, making the fewest mistakes, is going to be what makes or breaks you. And the Texans are only going to have to, in all likelihood, win two games to get to the Super Bowl. They'll get a host at least one of them. I really like this team. I think that it's going to give them a little bit of an edge over whoever they get in the playoffs. Right now, they're my pick to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I mean, and you, you kind of just painted the picture. I mean, you make valid points, obviously. Um, turnovers are huge in the game of football. You know, you could turn the ball over late, and that could, could decide a game. And I think that kind of got to give Deshaun Watson a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that, you know, takes care of the football, you, you know, can extend plays and, and I know they have a they have a decent running game there. Their defense is really good. They got playmakers, and uh, you know they got they got some weapons. You know, obviously with DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league. So I do agree they're they're a complete team. I just I mean they're just one of those teams I just don't trust. I don't know what it is. Um, obviously, you said, like you said, they've been playing really good football um, as of late. But I'm on, I'm on the Chargers, man. I, I don't know what it is. I want to see Philip Rivers win win too. a Super Bowl. You know, the Chargers are have shown they can go on the road and win games. Um, you know, they're a very mentally tough team. Um, you know, they got weapons for days. Um, Melvin Gordon's a really good running back. Um, and they get him back this they week. They get him back. Then they got that change of pace with Eckler. They got three stud number one receivers, potentially. Um, you know, and, and they got Phillip Rivers, who's, you know, 
seen it all. And, you know, I think he's been playing pretty well. With that game versus Kansas City, he was missing some throws. I think it's gonna he's going to have to obviously hit some of those throws, whether it be under-throwing or not hitting guys in stride. I think there was opportunities. Um, if Phillip threw the ball a little bit better, guys could have ca- caught it and made bigger plays. Um, but I, I, I do think I, I don't, there's something about this Chargers team where I just think, you know, they're battle-tested. Um, it, it is unfortunate. I mean, their record is, is really good, and they mm-hmm. still might have to go on the road. Um, but... I don't know, man. I just see if there was a game. If you put up the Chargers up against the Texans, I just see I see the Chargers winning the game. So um, I do I do agree. I mean, the numbers are have shown the Texans are a really good team and and like to take care of the ball and and, and don't commit penalties. But I don't know, man. There's something about the Chargers I like and and um, you know. But I, w- I would like to see the Texans in the Super Bowl. I think that would be pretty interesting. I, I want to see a couple new teams. I'm down for a couple new teams in the Super Bowl. No Steelers, no Patriots. No, this I, I want something I'd completely be okay different. with the Chiefs. Right, me too. I'd be okay with the Chiefs as well. If the Chargers were to get one of those first-round buys, they would be my pick. I just don't think they're going to do it. And it is a shame that either them or the Chiefs is going to be the five seed. Those are the two top teams record-wise in the AFC. If the Chargers can get it done... Then if, if I'm sorry, if the Chargers can get one of those first two buys, I don't know if there's any stopping them. They get a host throughout in the AFC playoffs. When you look at their numbers and how they stack up on that list of penalties and turnovers since the midway point of the season, 42 penalties, six turnovers. That's about middle of the pack for the playoff field. They don't have to be perfect to win. And Phillip Rivers doesn't have to be perfect to win, as we saw last Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And and don't forget about you know um, Antonio Gates. Yes. He's a guy. You know he's that safe wonder. Aegis Wonder, I mean, he, talk about a guy who's just been a safety valve for Phillip Rivers. Obviously, those guys um, playing many, many, many years. Um, you know, he's a guy that was making big plays in that Kansas City game, um, you know, when they needed it. And he's a guy that is kind of just floating around in the middle. And then, you know, you got to worry about Gates. Then you got those big, tall receivers, Mike Williams and William, or Williams and Williams, Tyrell Williams and, and uh, Keenan Allen, who's just a special talent. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, it's all going to come down who's going to have the home field um, in in the AFC. And I mean, if if LA can get that that home field advantage, I think it'd be interesting to see LA versus LA mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, yep. the Rams. I mean, that would be absolutely insane. Um, talk about the NFC uh, a little bit not not as clear as I, I once thought it would, no. would be in the NFC as well. So um, still a lot a lot to play for in these last couple games, especially when you talk about for the Chargers and Chiefs and, and teams like that. But I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the playoffs, and I'm excited to see, you know, these matchups because, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, especially this year, a lot of good teams, you know, a lot of really heavy hitter teams and uh, teams that can put up points. So it's going to be fun. We're up against a break, but I want to go into the NFC quickly. Are the Bears the most complete team in the NFC? I think overall, I mean, I do like what they have on offense. Obviously, that defense is, is really, really good. Um, I'm going to have to say I think they, they might be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they might be. The LA uh, Rams defense is, is, hasn't been living up to that preseason hype, and, and uh, the Saints have kind of been struggling a little bit as of late. So right now, i, I got to say, yeah, I think Chicago is the most complete team, um, and it's going to come down to Mitchell Trubisky and what he can do and take care of the ball. We talk about turnovers. Uh, he needs to be able to kind of get Jordan Howard and, and Tariq Cohen. I think if they can just – you know, get those guys involved early. Um, and then Allen Robinson's been huge on offense for that team. And then obviously Khalil Mack just destroying games. So um, I do think they're the most complete team in the NFC. Who deserves coach of the year this season? If the season ended now, Anthony Lynn, Sean McVay, or Matt Nagy? I'm going to have to go Matt Nagy just I because, too, um, you know, they the Bears were picked to finish last in the mm-hmm. division, I think. Or, you know, there was no expectations, at least with the, the Chargers, you know, they, there were some expectations. And, and with obviously with McVay, the Rams were supposed to be good. But the way Nagy came in, that, that trade they made for Khalil Mack, and then just the way, you know, they've been coached up. The play calling for Chicago has been really good. You know, I'm a, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, so I get to watch them twice a year. But, you know, they're very creative. And, and you know, he, he makes a lot of uh, good calls. Um, and I like the way he runs, uh, you know, calls a game. So, um, I'll definitely give it to Matt Nagy. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. We'll take our next time out. We'll come back. We got the numbers in from National Signing Day yesterday. Who dominated? We'll give you a hint. They're going to be playing for a college championship this season. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. 
pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you. We're joined by Jake Durant from CBS Marquette. Here is your Sports Center update. Wisconsin Badgers head coach Paul Christ has confirmed that quarterback Jack Cohn will burn his red shirt and he will start in the Pinstripe Bowl in place of Alex Hornibrook. Michigan Wolverine running back Karan Higdon announced this morning he will be sitting out the team's upcoming Peach Bowl appearance. And a Missouri man, 55-year-old Derek Fogel, has set a new world record for meters traveled while playing with a hacky sack. 5,053.9 meters, that is a new Guinness world record. Is hacky like, sack like a sport? Ha- yeah. yeah. Especially if you play like hack. Have you ever played hack? I've never played hack. I've it's, never even heard of it. It's where you, you know, you're you hit the the hacky sack up like so many times and once you get to a certain number you can grab it mm-hmm. and then you have to throw it at somebody and hit them. Then if you get hit, you're out. Use athleticism, you got to throw, you know, coordination. Sounds like something they'd put on ESPN the Ocho. Right, exactly. It's a fun game. Jake Durant once again in the studio with us. Do you see they finally found somebody to perform with Maroon 5 at Super Bowl halftime this year? They got Travis Scott. Ooh. Pretty good get. That's a, that's a huge yeah. get. Travis Scott, I mean, that guy's been doing a lot of, a lot of big things, obviously. Um, he's, you know, he's a rising star in the hip-hop world, and um, that's a good little mix, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know? Maroon 5, Maroon Travis, 5 Travis Scott. Scott yeah. You know, you get best of both worlds. I think that was a good get for the NFL. Nobody wanted to play with Maroon 5 for the longest time. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. understand it either. I don't have anything against Maroon 5. I'm not a huge fan by any no. means, but I don't, I don't know why everyone has something <laughs> against them. Right. I, I, I don't mind Maroon 5. they got a couple good hits. Yeah. You know, my daughter likes to listen to, to Maroon 5. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't see why no one actually wanted to, to perform by them. I don't know if it's just because of the track record of like the NFL halftime show, yeah. but you know, maybe that was it. But I, I know Travis Scott... He's gonna he's, he's gonna, gonna have put a, a he's gonna show. put a good put on a good show for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people are gonna be wondering what is going on as well when he performs. So we'll see. Heading down to Atlanta for that beautiful new stadium there. I mean that's gonna be a fun time. And wherever they get in the Super Bowl, they're gonna put on a good show. I have got ten bucks for you if you can tell me who is the richest person in all of sports. They just came out with the new list. They ranked the richest people, richest celebrities of 2018. There was one sports figure, not a current athlete, in the top five. I'll give you $10 if you can tell me who it is. $10. I mean, I'm just going to have to go with my Michael Jordan. How did you know that? I mean, That's the pretty guy, good. <laughs> he's a mogul. He has an empire. He's a mogul. He's up there. Mm-hmm. Richest current athlete is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Oh, wow. He's tied with James Patterson, the author on the list. Doesn't that make you mad? For, I don't know why, but it makes me mad. Why is James Patterson How is he Tiger making, Woods money? I don't know. What What is this guy doing? And they're both behind Kylie Jenner. Oh, yeah. She's number five on the list. That's insane. You, yeah. got, you know, speaking of Travis Scott, um, mm-hmm. Kylie Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> make that connection there. Kylie Jenner, man, she's done a lot, a lot of good things for herself. Mm-hmm. You know, being that's that's pretty impressive, um, the, the empire she's built, um, obviously with the makeup line and stuff. Now we're st- starting to talk entertainment <laughs> here. Is this the entertainment radio? But shout out to Kylie Jenner. Uh, top three on that list, by the way, before we get back to sports, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Oprah. So those are your richest celebrities of 2018. Mm-hmm. National Signing Day was yesterday. Top recruits from all around the country. Michigan got a big get yesterday in the defensive secondary. Alabama had a five-star blue chip that decommitted and decided to go join the Maize and Blue. And right now, they've got the fourth best recruiting class. When it's all said and done, Michigan gets totaled up with the fourth best recruiting class for the incoming season behind Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M. So a lot to feel good about. If you're the Wolverines, a lot to look forward to, give you optimism. Definitely. And, and Daxton Hill, the number one safety that um, flipped from Bama, is going to come in and be an impact player, I believe, right away. Um, a team that needs it. You know, he's going to play on that back end. He'd be an athlete, a playmaker. Um, you know, Jabril, Jabril Peppers just a few years ago came in as one of those top recruits, and, and he kind of played up to up – to, standard and up to expectation so you hope Daxon Hill is one of those guys that can come in and be an impact player for for Don Brown's defense I think he, he will be um and you know Michigan they do have these it's hard because you know Michigan does has had some good classes but a lot of these players don't stick around you know a lot of these um athletes I, I see a lot of players leaving Michigan um you know four-star guys um coming in and, and, and leaving but you hope that these guys can stick around I think you know 
Jim Harbaugh has has something going for Michigan when you're beating out teams like Alabama for for players. Um, Zach Harrison, though, that defensive end, five star, went to Ohio State over Michigan. Mm-hmm. That was a that was one we were, I was I was hoping for some reason he would he would you know I know he lives close to Ohio State, but man, that would have been a huge get as well. Um, but you know, you see these guys, Rashawn Gary, guys like that going to the NFL. Um, you need to fill fill it uh, fill in those roles. So, number four class, I'll take it. Alabama is number one in the National Signing Day recruiting class for the sixth time in eight years. That comes one year after they fell to number six, quote unquote, fell by their standards. That was their lowest ranking since it became a thing to rank them. They got 21 of ESPN's top 30 commits, and they got 10 of the top 100. Let's <laughs> just keep the dynasty going. It's it's unbelievable. I'm hearing this could be their best class yet. Mm-hmm. After I'm hearing that Nick Saban's t- this could be Nick Saban's best team this year, um, and just the dominant way they've been winning. Um, why wouldn't you, if you were a, a really good athlete, a really good football player, want to go join something like like Alabama, um, a team you know that's just basically been the dynasty. Nick Saban, one of the best college coaches we've seen. Um, you know the the when you go to Alabama, college football is the sport. Um, you know, you're not going to get beat up by any professional sports or anything like that. Um, and you're pretty much, you know, when when you play for the, the Crimson Tide, you, you pretty much got it made down there. So, you know, why not go? Obviously, you're, you're pretty much guaranteed to be playing in some really big games. And you have a good shot at a national championship. And, and you look back at who's played there prior, you know, that's when you're a, a good player and you go to Alabama and you get to see all that and just the culture of, of the football program, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to pass that up, and um, you know Nick Saban just keeps keeps it going. We're going to see. I don't see a drop off in Alabama anytime soon. Another great signing day for the SEC. Very successful for them. They get the top three spots: Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M had the top three recruiting classes this year. They get ten of the top twenty. Looking at the rest of the top ten, again: Bama, Georgia, Texas A&M, followed by Michigan. Oregon was number five, followed by LSU, Clemson, Oklahoma, Texas, and Notre Dame rounds out the top ten. So. Didn't see UCF on the list, didn't get up there, but, man, we could have an 18 playoff in the next few years. It's starting to gain a little momentum. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely up for that. I'll, I mean, uh, you know, just seeing those all those teams, Texas A&M sneaking in there at three with Jim, Jimbo yeah. Fisher uh, doing doing some work down there. So, yeah, um, you know, the top ten signing, obviously the big names, a lot of teams that we see um, towards the end of the year playing for that, that four-team uh, playoff, but – Hey, I'll be down it for the you know the 18 playoff. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm I'm pro that. I think it's gonna it'll make for a lot of great matchups towards the end of the season, and you know we'll see players who um, normally probably would sit out the last bowl game mm-hmm. want to come in and, and play, and and we'll see see those big time names um, you know play in those games. So I think I think it's gonna be I think it's inevitable. Honestly, I think it's gonna happen. Jake Butt started the tradition a few years ago, and I don't blame him for doing it. I know why he did it. I just don't like players sitting out for the bowl game. Noah Fant, the tight end from Iowa, sitting out. Karan Higdon announced earlier today that he's sitting out. Ed Oliver, the All-American defensive tackle from Houston, is doing it. It takes away from some of the bowl games. And by the way, what a weird wrinkle they had last night. They put the Frisco Bowl on the evening of National Signing Day. The Frisco Bowl down in Texas featured Ohio and San Diego State. How, how would you balance that as a head coach? You're on the road. You're in a different city trying to get ready for your bowl game that night, yet you're still trying to get guys to flip and come to your school in the day. I mean, I don't know what those coaches did or how stressful the day was, but I feel for them. That's tough. Um, you know, you kind of just have to do your your work prior and um you know, hopefully these these kids are excited that you, maybe these kids are excited you're playing that night and mm-hmm. you know want to be a part of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's insane to think you know that you have a game and then you have to deal with all the, the signing stuff. But it's part of the coaches, that's why you have a coaching staff, and I'm sure they handled it. I'm sure they handled it well. Jake Durant, once again from CBS Marquette, is in the studio with us. Our guest on this Thursday afternoon as we wind down the workday. We're up against a break, but. You doing anything for Christmas? What are you looking forward to here? Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm gonna probably spend some time with some family. You know, hang out at at the mom's house. Um, I'll have my daughter open gifts. Um, I have a couple nieces. Um, that you know will be opening gifts. So it, it it really revolves around around the the kids in my family. So, um, you know, we'll just hang out, have a good time, eat some food, and and you know, just enjoy each other's company. I you know. 
lot of people are busy, you don't get to see each other a lot, so this is just a time to, to kind of hang out and just be grateful for, for the things you do have, so... Um, that's basically, you know, I'm just going to kind of be hanging out and, and we do have, I do work on Christmas day, so mm. I get to work, uh, Christmas day. It's okay. Um, but yeah, Christmas Eve, I think we'll do a lot of our, our hanging out and, and family time. Jake Durant, once again, from CBS Marquette's in the studio with us. We'll take our last time out. We're back to finish this thing off after this on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. College basketball, not a whole lot in action tonight, but we do get a top 15 matchup. I'm excited for this one. This might be the toughest defensive battle that Duke has played yet this season. I know they've played Gonzaga, but I think number 12 Texas Tech might be the best defensive team that Duke has or will play this season. Those two square off tonight at 7 o'clock in Madison Square Garden. Neither you nor I will be able to watch that game. Uh, we'll be keeping tabs on it, though, because that's going to be a fun one. It's going to tell us a lot about this Duke offense and what they're able to do against a really stout Red Raider defense. Right, and, you know, you see Duke, obviously, with the athletes they have. They've just been able to just, you know, overpower and, and just be more athletic than teams and just, you know, kind of um, go out there and... and use their talent but now they're going to have to you know obviously going up against a defense like texas tech um it's going to be interesting to just see how they they handle it um i don't know if they're going to be able to run as much as they've been and and make all the the highlight plays they're going to have to actually run an offense and and um get guys open so yeah it's going to be interesting to see it i mean duke is is you know the showtime team in, in college basketball so anytime they play i mean i'm glued to the tv as much as i can be and i'm definitely looking forward to the highlights but it's going to be interesting to see you know what this team can do against a, a really good defense and and i think it's going to be you know with zion and guys like that you know you're not going to be able to play really one-on-one -on -one basketball as much so it's going to take a team effort and i think you know other guys are going to have to step up in order for this team to, to win. But I do see Duke winning. What a turnaround Texas Tech has had over the last few years. They bring in Jamie Dixon as their new head coach. They play in the Big 12, a conference that has its really good years with basketball. But it's always Kansas's conference to win or lose. It is always going to run through Allen Fieldhouse. I wonder if they could be a team that could finally knock Kansas from the throne, from being the top team over in the Big 12. I don't know that we've really seen a team of this dominance, especially in the defensive end. I, I know it's still early to tell. It's not even Christmas, but tonight's going to tell us a lot about Texas Tech and if they will have a real shot at stealing the Big 12 championship away from Kansas. Mm -hmm. I mean, and any time you know, you're a team that can play defense, I think, especially these days, I think, you know, that's going to give you an edge, obviously, over a lot of teams that, you know, are very offensive-minded. Um, but, yeah, I think for Texas Tech, it's very important that they go in, they compete, they don't get blown out. I mean, I, th I think if they can just stick into the game and make it a, a close game, I think that'll be a win just ment mentality-wise. Um, you know, I, I do think Kansas is still the top the top team there. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, that, you know, I think for Texas Tech, they just want to see if they can hang with these big teams. And I think if they, they stick to the game, um, stay in the game late, you know, who knows what they can do. And, um, um you know, it, I think it's just going to be a, a game for Texas Tech to kind of um, compare themselves to these bigger, you know, um, schools that like a Duke, like a Kansas, and just kind of see where they they are as a program. Duke has won 34 games at Madison Square Garden throughout history, 29 under Coach K. That that is the most away from their home venue, away from Cameron Indoor Stadium. It's a little bit of a home away from home for whatever reason. They just step up and they love playing in that spotlight at Madison Square Garden. And that can kill so many teams. When you get to that spotlight, no matter how good you are, sometimes they just can't handle it. That's a special team when you're somebody who thrives in that kind of moment. And Coach Krzyzewski has done that. He's established that program at Duke. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Madison Square Garden, it doesn't really get much bigger than that. And, you know, the pressure is going to be on Duke, you know, um, as the season goes on and, 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 and you know, this team gets better and things like that. And, you know, they're going to take everyone's best shot. You know, teams want to take this team team down. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how these players handle. I think all, th you know, Cam Reddish and, and company, I think they 
they're players that can handle it. I think you know Zion's going to be able to handle it. Um, they've been handling pressure, you know, their whole career. So I don't see them really, you know, the, the big lights affecting them at all. So I do think we're going to see a Duke team come out and and really try to run on this Texas Tech team, and we're going to see what's better, this offense or, or defense. Uh, last thing before we run out of time, going back to the NFL, going full circle a little bit. Cam Newton shut down by the Panthers. Riverboat Ron following their six-game losing streak. Man, they're like the anti-Colts. Like, they started out so well, and now they're going the opposite way. They're not going to make the playoffs, even though they realistically still have a shot. Cam Newton's just like, looked like a shell of himself over the last few weeks, and he's been bothered by a shoulder injury. He will be sat in favor of Taylor Heineke. And that makes a lot of people think, who? He's <laughs> yeah, been on a few, few rosters in the NFL before. He played for the Vikings for a little... Well, he was on the Vikings. I don't think he ever really played. But he will come in and take the opportunity, see what he can do in the final couple weeks of the season. But what a terrible season for Carolina. It's got to be one of the most disappointing in the league. Up there with Atlanta, who I still think has the potential to be one of the best teams in football next season. They just had a bad year this year. But when you look around teams in the NFL... Who's been the most disappointing to you this season? Carolina's got to be up there. Atlanta's got to be up there. A lot of people, for whatever reason, thought there was going to be a lot from the New York teams this season. I didn't think either of them would be too good. And I I don't know. I'm not too disappointed in that sense because expectations weren't high for them. But what about you when you look around the league? Anybody that disappoints you? I mean, i got to stick into the NFC North just because, you know, with the Green Bay Packers, um, there was guys on ESPN, you know, professionals, um, experts saying, you know, picking Green Bay to go all the way or guys saying they're going to go 16-0. and 0. I mean, obviously with Aaron Rodgers, expectations always high, but I think the Green Bay Packers were disappointing. I think the Minnesota Vikings, a team that, you know, mm-hmm. had was supposed to have a huge year, I, I think they've had a down year. So those two teams just, you know, in the NFC North, I think have had, you know, just terrible seasons um, and, and seasons that they weren't expecting. So I think those two teams, just right off the top of my head, are two teams that, you know, I think should have had a better year and, and didn't li- live up to those expectations. Before last week, I would have agreed with you on the Vikings that they've been a disappointing team, and so far they mostly have. I also would have put the Philadelphia Eagles on there before last week, but they finally decided to start looking like a team that could contend for the Super Bowl. It might be too little too late. The Vikings and the Eagles are going to battle for a playoff spot. Only one of those two is going to get in as the second wild card team in the NFC. I think the Vikings are going to do it. I'm not sure the Vikings are going to be too big of a disappointment when it's all said and done because if there's any team in both conferences that I feel the most confident being able to run the table and win three games, even if they have to come on the road to get to the Super Bowl, I feel like it could be the Vikings because they've upgraded from last year's team personnel-wise, a little bit of an upgrade getting Case Keenum out and bringing in Kirk Cousins. They have an offensive coordinator who's going to compliment Mike Zimmer instead of fighting. They had that last year with Shermer. They were successful. They have that again. And Sunday, they throttle a Dolphins team that was trending upward. I really think people could sleep on the Vikings, and it could cost them. I could see the Vikings being a team that could surprise people and make a run here in the postseason. Yeah, and the Vikings, you know, they if they can get that run game going, anytime you go on the road, you really have to establish a run game. I think Dalvin Cook is a guy that, you know, that could be an X factor for them. And, and if that defense can just, you know, live up to any type of standard that you know they've had over the years you know i think they can definitely do some things they got weapons obviously Thielen and and digs but i think it's going to come down to being able to run the ball and i think uh, minnesota can run the ball so i i do agree i mean they have what it takes to possibly go on the road but when you go on the road you need to play defense and you need to be able to run the ball and control the game so i think minnesota you know i don't i wouldn't want to see it but i i could see it happening one more team that could be thrown up there for the most disappointing this season is Jacksonville. They had such high expectations going into this year after last season. They came maybe a quarter away from playing for a Super Bowl. Now they're sitting at 4-10. and 10. Jalen Ramsey just does not care. Leonard Fournette hasn't been able to stay healthy. That defense is all the pieces there where they should be good. It's just disappointing if you're Jacksonville. And I was thinking that they would go on a run after beating the Patriots early on. I know the Patriots are never themselves in September it seems like but the bottom just seemed to fall out from week three to four for Jacksonville Mm -hmm. 
ended up being one of the most disappointing teams in the league this year. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the most disappointing teams in the because I, I picked them to to go to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year, so that obviously showed my expectations <laughs> for the team. But um, you kind of look at the personalities they have on the roster. They had a lot of guys with a little bit of an edge and things like that, and you kind of wondered where the locker room was going to go, and now you have Jalen Ramsey. I'm questioning if the team even wants him around. You know, mm-hmm. he's the leader of that team, leader of that defense. So, um, And then, you know, Blake Bortles. I mean, it, it came down to Blake Bortles, and Blake Bortles didn't live up to, to what – they wanted him to be He's turnover prone, you know, can't get through his reads. And now they're looking for a quarterback all of a sudden. Um, so, you know, they didn't, they, they f- were good on defense. That's where they made their bread and butter. And this year it's just been a disappointment. So they got some, some work to do. Um, you hope that that one year wasn't, you know, just a fluke, but we'll see. If you're Joe Flacco, would you rather go to Washington or Jacksonville next season? For me, I would rather go down to Jacksonville. Would you? I, I just think they have the better defense. I do think they have the, the younger pieces. Um, and I don't know. I, th- I think all they have, I think they need to add something on offense. Leonard Fournette's down there, obviously. Um, I think they need a, another receiver, um, another weapon. But if I was Joe Flacco, definitely. I, I, I saw this thing. This, this guy um, on Twitter was proposing to trade Aaron Rodgers um, and sign Joe Flacco for like two years, get oh a quarterback gosh. in there, and use the money that they freed up to, to build a roster. I was like, wait, what? Green Speaking Bay of would Joe lose Flacco, their ever-loving minds yeah, if that ever right. happened. Yeah, this was like a like the guy was serious about it. So mm-hmm. speaking of Joe Flacco, but yeah, if I was Joe Flacco, I think Jacksonville over Washington. How about a guy like Terod Taylor? Does he ever have a shot at being a starting quarterback in the NFL again? Yeah, I mean, it's a guy who who plays well at times, but just is inconsistent and and. and is turnover prone, but I mean, if you're a team that in need of a quarterback, um, I think Tyrod Taylor, you know, he, he can be a really good quarterback. You know, he's a guy that can make plays um, with his feet. He can run around. Um, he shows he has an arm. Um, I see him maybe getting another shot at it. We'll see, you know, quarterback position is always a need. So, um, and if not, I think he's a really, really good backup for a team. So I think, you know, we'll see Tyrod Taylor again. Could a team short term invest in Ryan Fitzpatrick next season? Would a team like, Arizona, who's I know they're trying to make it work with Josh Rosen down there, but a team in that kind of a situation where they need a quarterback maybe for the short term, a guy who will maybe give you a chance to win. He's been inconsistent, a veteran, a grizzled type of guy. Fitzmagic ever get another shot in the NFL? I think so. I mean, when he's good, he's really good. He's one of those guys that's really hot or really cold. Um, but if I was a team, I would I'd bring him in. You know, I think he just needs to be consistent. He has those little spurts, four or five games, where he's just amazing. You know, he's fits magic, um, but then he kind of falls off. So, um, you know, he's a talent. He's a talent. There's a, you know, he's there's a lot of guys in the league that can't do what he does. Put it that way. So, um, I think, I think a team will give him a shot. I think he, he could definitely help you out if you're like in a transition with a young guy. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in the studio with us as we wind down toward the five o'clock hour here in the sports pen. We're out of time. I appreciate you, my man. I always like having you here in studio. Have a very Merry Christmas with you and your family. We'll see you next week. Yep, safe travels to Iowa, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and the family. All right, that's it for us. We turn it over to Will Kane. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.